Hello, I'm Father Joe Roche of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Thank you for joining us as we continue with our year-long journey reading the diary of St. Maria Faustina Kowalska from beginning to end. Today, we take up from where we left off, beginning with diary entry number 811. When I entered my solitude, I heard these words. At the hour of their death, I defend as my own glory every soul that will say this chaplet, or when others say it for a dying person, the pardon is the same. When this chaplet is said by the bedside of a dying person, God's anger is placated, unfathomable mercy envelops the soul, and the very depths of my tender mercy are moved for the sake of the sorrowful passion of my son. Oh, if only everyone realized how great the Lord's mercy is and how much we all need that mercy, especially at that crucial hour. Today I have fought a battle with the spirits of darkness over one soul. How terribly Satan hates God's mercy. I see how he opposes this whole work. O merciful Jesus, stretched out on the cross, be mindful of the hour of our death. O most merciful heart of Jesus, opened with a lance, shelter me at the last moment of my life. O blood and water, which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a fount of unfathomable mercy for me at the hour of my death. O dying Jesus, hostage of mercy, avert the divine wrath at the hour of my death. December 12, 1936. Today I only received Holy Communion and stayed for a few moments of the Mass. All my strength is in you, O living bread. It would be difficult for me to live through the day if I did not receive Holy Communion. It is my shield. Without you, Jesus, I know not how to live. Jesus, my love, today gave me to understand how much he loves me. Although there is such an enormous gap between us, the Creator and the creature, and yet, in a way, there is something like equality. Love fills up the gap. He himself descends to me and makes me capable of communing with him. I immerse myself in him, losing myself, as it were, and yet under his loving gaze, my soul gains strength and power and an awareness that it loves and is especially loved. I know it knows that the Mighty One protects it. Such prayer, though short, benefits the soul greatly, and whole hours of ordinary prayer do not give the soul that light which is given by a brief moment of this higher form of prayer. This afternoon I had my first open-air rest on the sunny veranda at the sanatorium. Sister Felicia visited me today and brought me a few necessary things and some lovely apples and words of greeting from our beloved Mother Superior and dear sisters. December 13, 1936, Confession Before Jesus When I reflected that I had not been to confession for more than three weeks, I wept, seeing the sinfulness of my soul and certain difficulties. I had not gone to confession because the circumstances made it impossible. 
On the day of confessions, I had been confined to bed. The following week, confessions were in the afternoon, and I had left for the hospital that morning. This afternoon, Father Andrash came into my room and sat down to hear my confession. Beforehand, we did not exchange a single word. I was delighted because I was extremely anxious to go to confession. As usual, I unveiled my whole soul. Father gave a reply to each little detail. I felt unusually happy to be able to say everything as I did. For penance, he gave me the litany of the holy name of Jesus. When I wanted to tell him of the difficulty I have in saying this litany, he rose and began to give me absolution. Suddenly, his figure became diffused with a great light, and I saw that it was not Father I.A., but Jesus. His garments were bright as snow, and he disappeared immediately. At first I was a little uneasy, but after a while a kind of peace entered my soul. I took note of the fact that Jesus heard the confession in the same way that confessors do, and yet something was wondrously transpiring in my heart during this confession. I couldn't at first understand what it signified. Here, God the Father affirms the promise connected with praying the chaplet of the dying. He says that he will defend as his own glory every soul that says the chaplet or has the chaplet said for them at the hour of death. Now, when we pray the chaplet, we pray for the sake of the sorrowful passion of Jesus, have mercy on us and on the whole world. So we're addressing the whole Father, the whole, the God the Father. The cross is Christ's throne in the Gospel of John. It is not a moment of failure, but of triumph. He conquers sin and death at that moment. So it is his glory. And so God the Father is glorified by Christ offering himself completely to save us. And so when we invoke his passion, because we're asking for the graces that flow from his cross, his glory, his paschal mystery, his mercy flows from the cross, God is glorified, Jesus is glorified, the Holy Spirit is glorified altogether. Uh, Faustina also writes of uh, battling the spirits of darkness over a soul. They want to steal souls from God, but when we are baptized, we belong to God, and he doesn't want to lose any of us. Faustina also writes here of coming to know how much Jesus loves her, despite the great gap between them. She is a creature, he is the creator, she is weak, he is strong, he is great, and yet he strengthens her for her mission and gives her very, very special graces when she's able to have a, a union of love with him in that uh, prayer of union. And then Faustina writes of being happy to get outside and get some sun in that healthcare facility where she is. And she writes of ex uh, an extraordinary account of confessing to Jesus because for various reasons she wasn't able to get to confession. And then it seems like Father Andras came, and uh, then she finally finds out that it was actually Jesus himself who heard her confession. Now Jesus usually uses the priests as his instruments in this sacrament, but since no one was able to come, Jesus simply cuts out the middleman and hears the confession himself.